1: hello everybody today we have katrina shadick on the show she is the enterprise risk and audit leader at genworth mortgage insurance and two topics that we hit on that are we haven't talked on the show before and are super interesting one being unconscious bias and its impact on audit observations the other being climate change risk at your organization so we're not talking about esg when we're talking about climate risk we're talking about how it impacts your organization and so that was really interesting i haven't heard anyone talk about how the risk of climate change is going to is currently or is going to impact their organization so a lot of interesting insights um, from that perspective as well as on the unconscious bias impact where um, katrina has done multiple sessions on that so check out her LinkedIn for sure. She posts um, about this kind of stuff on there. So check her out on LinkedIn. Go to her posts, scroll through, uh, read through them, and learn even more from Katrina. Here we go. What song puts you in a good mood?
0: So I would I would say on most songs like uh, '90s hip hop, um, maybe early 2000s when I was young and. Fun. Um, <laughs> most of those songs put me put me in a good mood. I, I was trying to to think through them. Um, Vibrant thing by Q-Tip. Okay. That's uh, that's one of my favorites. However, it will cause me to dance, and uh, my kids don't always want to see that. So I try to listen to that, you know, in the bathroom or somewhere where they don't have to be subject to my terrible dancing. But yes, um, yeah, any anything '90s hip hop gets me pretty, pretty going.
1: That's, that's our, um, Hey, we're going to eat, you know, we're about to eat dinner. I can't stand to hear people chew or for people to hear me chew. And so there's always gotta be music on. So that's what we've been doing for the past couple of months. We just go, Hey, Alexa play, uh, nineties hip hop or nineties pop. And then we just listen to that until it's done. And there's always something good in there. Yeah, Exactly. All right. What's your favorite tool? And that can be like an audit tool or anything else, piece of software.
0: I recently started using um, Power Automate and um, Microsoft Power Apps. And I think they are growing to be my favorite tools just because there's so much you can do with them. So um, I would say those are, those are up there on my list right now. I have, I have a lot to learn, but there's just so much potential. Um, And then once you realize the potential, your brain can't really stop going with like, I could use it for this and I could Uh use it for that Um, time consuming to do that, but um, very cool, very cool tools.
1: Yeah. And those are uh, for those that don't know, those are RPA or bot or automation type tools. Do you have, I know you said you're kind of new to it. Do you have a use case that's your favorite or something that you're excited about putting in?
0: Yeah, we actually just implemented um, a delegation of authority app. Um, I guess when you think app, you think of like a phone app, um, and that's essentially what it what it is, but the users don't really perceive it that way because they're using it on their laptops. But I created the app through Microsoft Power Apps, and it allows um, the employees to come in um, and and basically let us know about any delegation of authority decisions that have been made and then you know upload the approval documentation so that we have like one centralized place for everything related to delegation of authority. And then when you link that up with power automate, you're also able to um, to do the approval process through the through power apps. So um, it, it's really nice for, People who have been used to using SharePoint and, you know, just trying to trying to get by with using SharePoint and now able to have something that's really user friendly, you know, just open it up, you you know, click a few things, upload something and send and you're done. Um, And that was the goal. So um, that's that was the first project I did. And the only one so far, Uh, everything else has just been constant ideas of, of what I can use it for.
1: Yeah, Perfect. All right, if you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and shake them and say, "Please just do this one thing." What would that be?
0: Build your relationships with your clients. Like that spend spend time building your relationships. Um I think auditors we get so ingrained in 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 the process uh which makes perfect sense. Um but, you know, we're ready to get in We do the planning. We, you know, planning, scoping, right. It's it's test steps. And and you just miss like the really important part um, of connecting with the auditee. And, and that should take place really throughout the year. Um, But especially at the beginning of an audit, when you come in, um, otherwise they just feel used and like, you know, not, not that important. So, um, I've, I've realized that you get a much better response from auditees um, whenever they feel like you actually care uh, about them as a person um, and they feel like you're trying to help. And that just takes some um, building the relationship and not not coming in as an auditor, um, you know, and just getting right to it. I think is really important to spend a little bit of time getting to know everybody in the company that you're working with.
1: Perfect. And I'm glad you added some of the why it's important in there because I know I was told from the beginning of my career, relationships, 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 and then nobody really said why I didn't feel like, or at least gave a good Mm -hmm. enough answer to where I went, oh yeah, you're right. Let me go actually do that and put some kind of process in place or change my mindset or whatever. So I was going to follow up with, okay, why? And then you did that already. So Perfect. Yeah.
0: I think I've, I've come into um, audits where um, the team did not work on the relationship or build a relationship prior to the audit. And, and the, you know, the teams, the managers are reluctant to share information because they're not confident that you have their best interest at, at heart. Um, whereas you build the relationship and build that trust which means they have to actually be able to trust you, not that you convince them that they can trust you, Um, but you build that trust and then they're willing to open up and talk about the issues they're having and where they need audits help. It, It really just changes everything once you get really good at building the relationships.
1: Yeah, that's great. All right. So topic for today, we're talking about unconscious bias and Less so about what is that exactly, and and maybe more so about some examples, maybe not within audit, but generally speaking, like ones that most people could relate to and go, oh yeah, that's what that is, and I have that, and um, almost recognizing it, I think is one of the bigger pieces. Um, so, do, could you share some examples of unconscious bias?
0: Okay, um, let's see. Outside of the audit world. Um, One of the examples that I have um, is, is hiring. And when I first uh, became a manager and and started hiring, um, I I wanted to hire someone exactly like me. That's me kind of shortening the story um, a little bit. But, but I thought, you know, I, I worked at Grant Thornton for several years. So I have that, um, that type of consulting type of background where I have a lot of different experiences And then I went to corporate. So I've done a few years in that, have a master's degree. um, And I feel like I'm pretty awesome. So clearly if anyone has all of those boxes checked, they're going to be awesome too. Um, And that, that's a bias and a a misconception um, that caused me to make not a great hiring decision um, at, at one point early in my career. So I learned from that, but I think there are a lot of, a lot of ways when we're, meeting people for the first time, um, finding out what political party they're part of, whether it's intentionally finding out or by accident finding out, um, I don't think we realize that it, it completely changes our entire perception of that person and everything they have to say going forward. Um, once you find out something that you don't relate to or connect with or makes you uncomfortable, all of a sudden their opinions are no longer valuable to you. And I don't think you consciously think that you're not sitting there going, you know, um, don't care what they have to say now, but that's, what's really happening, you know, in your mind that that you're not aware of that's the unconscious piece of it. So um, that's just ca- kind of some general examples within internal audit. Um, there's a ton of places unconscious bias can can impact your audit results um one of them is just what who you decide to audit in the first place if you have a perception of um the ap group and they don't have their mess together and that's kind of a commonly known commonly known thing in the company well you go into that with a certain mindset you go into that audit thinking this is this is a mess i've been told it's a mess i'm going to find a big mess and so what do you look for a big mess so you're You don't, it doesn't allow you to go into an audit open-minded because you're really looking for the bad. You're not looking for the good. You're not asking them, you know, to prove uh, things out or provide evidence that might be valuable necessarily, because you'll say, oh, see, just like I thought, they don't have this process in place, you know, just write it up. So, um, it works the same way with members of management in the company that you, Either you have developed a personal relationship with, which that's where building relationships has its, um, is a fine line, you know, with, with internal audit, but working with someone you have built a relationship with, and you have that trust, um, you may find, you know, some type of observation in their area and don't feel the need to explore it anymore. Ask the question, why? What's happening here? And they give you an answer and you're like, "Mm, "Okay, sounds good to me and I trust you. So we're all good. Um, So it can cause us to really not do enough due diligence with um, some of our audit observations or questions cause us to accept um, management's response, even over the evidence that we see. Um, and then on that it applies as well going into any type of like complex audit that we don't, you know, it's a, if it's too technical or we don't understand it deeply, then we are going to be biased um, to allow the expert, the process owner, explain something away. And we're not going to want to ask questions about you know, you know, prove that to me or how does that work? Because it's like you have this person who's an expert who does this all the time and they're speaking a language you barely understand. And the last thing you want to do is question them. Um, So you kind of, again, you kind of accept what they give you. Um, There's a lot of, a lot of other, I could probably spend a whole hour on all the different ways that um, unconscious bias can, can impact audits.
1: Yeah. I think those are great and definitely relatable, especially the, talking to the expert and they go, yeah, this is what it is. And you go, well, you, you're the expert on yeah. something, you know, complicated or, or otherwise. I know that was something that I struggled with a little bit for a different reason and not asking enough questions. Cause I didn't want people to think that I was an idiot because I didn't know the answer already, yeah. but you still have to ask those questions. So I think that's a, right. a great example. Yeah. Um, what's the answer to how do we account for this or how do we fix this? Is it just being aware that it exists?
0: Yeah, I think the, the biggest, the biggest thing is being aware and being open-minded because I think a lot of people will, will admit, will say that they're aware. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm aware it exists, but either it doesn't apply to me or I would certainly notice if I was doing this. Um, but that is not the case. And I, you have to be open-minded to realize that it's called unconscious bias for a reason, because you don't realize you're doing it and you have to take the time to figure out what you're doing. I mean, you don't know what you don't know, but it really does take effort to kind of stop yourself and go through the thought process you just had. Um, and then admit to yourself that you're being biased. That's usually where the work stops because nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Um, but be, being aware, the awareness is like probably the most important thing. Um, and there's ways um, for specific uh, biases. There's some um, like ways you can change processes to uh, address the issue or help address the issue. One of them is taking um, when you're hiring, taking all types of information out of a resume so that all you really see is the, their background and what they've worked on and you don't see what their name is and you don't see where they're from and you don't see where they went to school because if they went to school at UNC they're obviously brilliant. <laughs> so um it just things like that. I mean you don't you don't want to believe that you you're going to lean towards someone who has things in common with you, who went to the same school, you know, but it really makes a difference and I think blocking all of that out and looking at resumes you know, without knowing that information will make you make a different decision about who you want to bring in to the company.
1: Yeah, that's a fantastic example. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit board's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. I know you're also doing work um, relative to climate change risk at your company. You speak to how you're you're kind of paving the way and you're, you're leading that. Can you kind of hit on that for a little bit?
0: Yeah, um, we just kind of started diving into climate change um, a little bit, and it's, there really is a lot of um, a lot a lot of importance in just recognizing that climate change is a risk, um, and you know. I I think at this point, it's like everybody wants to say climate change is, you know, it's coming. We have 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Um, That's not the case. I mean, but we're already seeing impacts of climate change now. Um, But I don't think people are really thinking through the time, um, spending the time now to figure out what the risks are or could be to their organization. And so that's really what we're focused on is you know, not, we don't want to just have a blanket statement that says, yeah, we're, we're thinking about climate risk. And we're doing that by talking to each other about it for five minutes once a year. But um, we're really thinking through and at a deeper level, um, what does our climate risk look like in terms of our portfolio of loans? You know, where, where are, where are those loans? Where are those, are they, in areas where there's a significant concern uh, or risk of sea level rise? Are are they in areas where there's significant risk of drought in the next few years? And if so, there are going to be industries in those areas that um, are more likely to fail. And if those industries fail, then those people have to move somewhere. And, you know, there's a potential for default on loans. And all these things like down the line that you don't really think about without, I mean, you really have to intentionally sit down and go through each um, and then, and then, and then this, and you eventually get to how it could impact you. Um, so that's the work we're doing is really just some some research and deep thinking, um, trying to leverage anything that other companies are doing that that have been able to. Um, get a little farther than us so far. Um, but ultimately, we want to build out a framework that we can kind of roll into our um, enterprise risk framework. And once we have everything in place, it'll be a lot easier just to monitor and say we're aware of all of our risk. These are the only ones that that we feel like we need to keep a really close eye on that that have would have a big impact. And we've decided we're going to you know, respond to these risks in this way, you know, and so maintenance will be much easier. But the undertaking of the project of just really understanding where our risks lie and quantifying that risk, which is is extremely difficult, if not impossible um, at this point, um, that that's what we're working on right now.
1: So I feel like ESG is like the hottest acronym uh, of 2022 and probably 2023 and who knows when, but help us understand the difference between ESG because I hear climate risk and think, oh, that's an ESG thing. So, but it sounds like there's some distinctions there. Is that right?
0: Yeah. Um, ESG is more comprehensive. Climate risk is part of ESG. Um, ESG is environmental, social and and governance. So there's a lot more that we have to think about and um, processes we need to have in place and disclose from an ESG perspective, all the way down to our employee resource groups, what we're doing, you know, for inclusion and diversity. Um, It's just a much broader term that climate risk just fits into there. It's one part of it.
1: Let me know if this sounds accurate. ESG is the impact that your organization is having on, uh, we'll just say the environment and social and the climate change risk you're talking about is more about the impact that climate change is having on your company.
0: Right, right. I would say that's accurate. I thought that was
1: pretty good. I just came up with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when we put together, we put together our ESG disclosures, and that's one of the things we're working on now as an organization, uh, being that we just went public not too long ago, um, but putting together our ESG disclosures, it's really wrapping our arms around what what all are we doing in the company to address some of these environmental social issues and getting all of that in one place and being able to communicate that to stakeholders that this is what we're doing to address all of these areas that might not be talked about as much as the financials, Mm -hmm. um, you know, on the investor calls.
1: Well, no, so we've hit unconscious bias and climate change risk, but as an audit leader, what else do you care about? Maybe what's your, your main thing that you care about as an audit leader?
0: I've already said relationships. So I I think that honestly is one of my, that's probably my soapbox. So um, I think relationships are really important. Uh, I think transparency is really important. I, I, I tend to lean a lot more towards the soft skills than I think a lot of people are like, you know, this risk is important and that risk is important. And that is all true. But if, if you don't have the soft skills and the techniques and the um, ability to communicate or write an audit report, or get somebody to listen to you when you, when you're concerned about something, if you can't do any of those things, then it doesn't matter what risk you'd like to focus on because you can't get attention and you can't be effective. So, um, that's probably, probably my, my biggest hot button area that, that I like to focus on is, you know, that, and, and how, how are, uh, how's our strategy, linked to our kpis i think that is something that um that's something i think is really important that companies don't focus on enough is that we we have these kpis and a lot of times they completely conflict with what the company's strategy is but it's not thought through that way it's just these are our goals these are our kpis to achieve this Mm -hmm. not thinking about You know, what else could happen using those KPIs to achieve this that are really going to go against the company's strategy in the first place? So those are some areas that um, that I think are important.
1: That is some primo guidance, I think, relative to KPIs aligning with the strategy. Um, I really like that. You hit on, again, unconscious bias, climate change risk. And usually we'll spend we might have spent like an entire episode with a given expert on those areas. Um, so I think it's unique in that, or you are unique in that um you're speaking to both of those together. Yeah. And so I'm curious, is there a commonly held belief in the audit profession that you passionately disagree with? And I ask that because I feel like you might have maybe a more unique answer than what we typically hear.
0: Um That's a good question. I'm positive there are, and I'm usually, I'm very vocal about things that I think can be improved. Um, I like to think outside of the box. Um, If I had to say things that I find myself communicating over and over again in all of the organizations I'm in, like trying to get people to listen to me, um, one of the things is that I don't think the um, audit function should report to the CFO. Um, that drives me insane because if we're not supposed to be just focused on financial risk and they're we're supposed to be focused on strategy and, and overall risk in the organization. And that's not always the top of the priority list for the CFO. Um, so I, I personally think, um, audit department should report to the CEO and the audit committee. Um, not to say that some companies can't do it right but i just i just think to to better align with the purpose of the audit department the ceo makes more sense so that that's one of the things another one is collaboration with other groups um i really don't see that audit departments do that very well <clears throat> having you know communicating with erm groups and compliance groups and really making sure like what are you seeing what are you seeing um, how can we work together on some things, you know, without um, hindering our, our independence. But um, I think we would get a bigger picture of the company if we collaborated more and got a feel for what's already been looked at. Cause a lot of times we're thinking, oh, we're going to look at this area. We don't know that there's been work done by another group. Um, in that area, or a consultant came in. I'm always finding things like that out. Like, oh no, we had a consultant. Look at that. <laughs> like last year, like didn't know. Yeah. Um, so it's like the seat at the table uh, type thing.
1: Do you have a, a tool that facilitates that communication, or is it, or is there a tool that you would like that we could facilitate that communication and stay on the same page, or is it more monthly meetings, touch points, things like that?
0: Um. I had not thought of a tool to facilitate that communication. However, you're making me think of more ideas for um, Power Apps and <laughs> nice. Power Automate. I'm like, I bet I could create a tool. Um, I mean, right now, I think it's just having the right people in the right meetings and sending out certain communications to a broader group of people than the company typically does. Um, I really think, I mean, I think that would go a long way, but I think there probably are some, some tools that could be used, um, for that as well. It's just hard when you don't have people involved directly in the meetings to make sure that they're informed because you have to rely on them to, to do the work, to, to read the report or to read the meeting notes or, you know, things like that. So, um, I think it's finding the right level of communication, but, I just don't think there's enough involvement between all of the GRC groups.
1: So what is your team looking to accomplish this year?
0: Um, we are, climate change, like we talked about, is is one of really our key areas of focus this year. Um, another area of focus is um, just because we we just went public not too long ago, like I said, making sure that, you know, we have, the appropriate, um, you know, socks controls in place that, you know, taking whatever we have to, to take that we were using with the parent company and bringing that over to an act and making sure that we have what we need in place. Um, they're, you know, building our audit department at enact, um, shameless plug for any amazing auditors out there looking for a job. Mm -hmm. Um, but Enact building the audit department is a big uh, a big thing right now. We're focused a lot on model governance. Um, that's another area that that I'm uh, that I'm focused on specifically. But um, just making sure we don't have the SR seventeen requirements that other you know like banking financial institutions have. But We do need to have something strong in place um, to help manage model risk. So we've implemented a framework uh, for model risk, and now it's just a matter of kind of enhancing that as we go along, tweaking that to really make it as effective as it can be, um, finding best practices and um, just continuing to enhance it, because I think that that's going to take take a while to get us where our vision is. So I think those are probably the key initiatives um, within my group specifically.
1: I knew when we initially talked that there would be some unique um, viewpoints that you would give, unique even audits. So we talked climate change a couple times now that you're that you're looking at, and so I knew there would be a lot of good stuff, a lot of new content for the listeners um, for sure. But is there anything else that you would like to leave the audience with?
0: There were some other thoughts I had about, uh, I am I am kind of known for thinking outside of the box a little bit and pushing the status quo. Um, I think that companies should start thinking more about, audit departments should stop, start pushing a little bit more on auditing um, the HR function. Hmm. Um, and not so much from like a check the box perspective, but I think there's risk there that, companies don't really think about because you think of HR as being the function that helps us keep risk under control. Um, but if it, if it's not functioning properly, if we're not appropriately handling, uh, discrimination issues, retaliation issues, um, if we're not appropriately handling those things, that obviously is a huge risk to the company, you know, legally, um, financially, um, just reputationally so uh, building culture i think is another area there's a lot of areas that auditors don't typically focus on that i think are are kind of brushed to the side as not being that important um and i, I just think we need to all go back and kind of rethink that a little bit um, okay. as far as me personally i don't actually i don't have any um for a change i don't actually have any uh, sessions coming up so Maybe if, um, I would say if anybody is looking for, um, a session for their company to talk about unconscious bias, I'd be happy to, um, put something together and, and share, um, or chat with the company. So I just throw that out there for anybody who's looking, um, I enjoy talking about unconscious bias and I think, I think it there's, it's more of like a workshop to really think through how you're being impacted um, as opposed to just here's unconscious bias this is what it means here's what not to do. Um, I think it's more important to really dig into it um, and i've I've heard a lot of people that have been able to change their thought processes by by taking that approach so